Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans. Welcome to episode number 44 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. Thank you so much for taking the trouble to download this episode wherever you get your podcast from. We really do appreciate it. I am joined as ever, in fact, I'm introduced myself, I'm the Twisted Genius, Dean Ayers, joined as ever by my colleague, sports journalist, Liam Hatt. Good evening, Liam, how are you doing, sir? Oh, it's a good thing you remember that, Dean, otherwise you wouldn't know who you are. Oh, if I don't know who I am, how's anyone else going to know? Hashtag five concussions. And counting. Yes, have you ever mentioned that on the show? I believe you have. That, uh, oh yeah. A, a, you've had five concussions in your illustrious career. B, you managed Terry Funk, and C, you have never been to Japan. Speaking of which, <laughs> I have been to Japan. And how many concussions have you had? Don't want to talk about it. And how many times have you managed Terry Funk? Don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Can I also point out that only three of those concussions were wrestling related? I dread to ask about the other two. That's just me being a clumsy buffoon. It worries me now that uh, uh, there's me thinking that the fact that I've always remained as someone who just sits and bitches about wrestling meant that at least, unlike people who actually gave it a go, I'll never get a concussion. But the fact that you've had two away from the ring makes me think that maybe I'm not that safe yet. Yeah, that's two that I'm aware of. Who knows if I've had any more? Anyway, we are um, we are here to. Uh, it's another watch along. So just uh, if you're if you're wanting to watch along with us, I just let you know this is we're going to be looking at episode number sixteen of Monday Nitro, which was broadcast on December the eighteenth, nineteen ninety five. So if you're uh, if you're wanting to listen along or watch along with us, that is the episode to go and find wherever you may find your old episodes of Nitro. Uh, but, um, and, and we're, we're also, um, we're, we're looking at getting a few guests on. We're looking at maybe uh, getting someone on to have a look at Starcade 95, which we're only a little way away from in, uh, in the timeline of, of this, this watch along series. Yeah. I'm curious to see if that'd work. It'll be the first time we've lined up a pay-per-view to go along with the watch alongs. Cause normally they're random and this is chronological, but, Let's let's give it a go if we can figure that one out. We're only a couple of weeks away from it. I also just want to add that, yeah, if you want to watch along on the network or any other uh, dodgy service that we won't condone here, no, sir, that's great. But it's also worth stressing that if you are unable to watch uh, Nitro while you listen to this podcast, stick around, give it a listen, give the other ones a listen to. We make them standalone worthy. Uh, have a laugh with us. We'll keep you up to date with what's happening and we'll add our alternative irreverent commentary at the same time. Yeah, and of course, if you'd like to you know, rate us and review us on uh, iTunes or, or any other uh, podcast uh, purveyor, then, then please do, you know, if you like us. If you don't like us, then, you know, let's just keep it quiet, move along and pretend this never happened, yeah? Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one, and you're listening to Because WCW. Now choke on that. Right. Shall we, uh, shall we crack on with episode number 16 of Monday Nitro? I would like that very much, Dean. Right, we are we're all queued up on zero 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 zero. Uh, this one goes fifty two minutes rather than forty five. We're we're creeping up in length. I think the last few have been looking at looking yeah. at the length of the podcast as well. Generally, we do the same sort of preamble every time. I think, but uh, yeah, we we've been crept up a few minutes. I believe that we've entered the era of the overrun. 
it mustn't yes. be the only logical conclusion I can think of. Yes, where where we're going head to head with Monday uh, Night Raw over on the USA Network. Uh, this week it's a it's a live edition as well, so uh, there's going to be uh, they're going to get the big guns out. They're, WCW will be getting out the wrestling equivalent of the best China to try and impress us. Yes, and a few a few a few important things may be spilled in the process. Right. Okay. So, are you ready, Liam? I'm ready. Steady, Eddie. Okay. So we will press play in three, two, one, go. And here come the burning buildings that we know and love so much. I can confirm buildings. I can confirm that they're burning. I can confirm Hogan all over them. Yeah. Exploding traffic lights and all that. Here we are. And what's what's Mango going to be wearing today? That is the question. Never and that poor that dog. Shit. Here comes Mango. <laughs> Coming from the home of the Masters, Augusta, Georgia, for that wrestling golf crossover audience. I tell you what, I can give you a very quick crossover story here. When I was working at Eurosport, one of my good buddies, Mr. Mr. Toby Kill, one of the top writers there, uh, he's into his golf and he won a, a journalist competition to get flown out to Augusta to play around just ahead of the Masters starting. And he wrote an article on it that would get wheeled out on the website every year. That time I played around Augusta. Nice. It's like, oh, Masters season, dust off that article, yep. It's the golf equivalent of managing Terry Funk. Do you know what? You two can uh, swap notes on that. Yeah, Pepe the dog is is dressed up. Oh, Medusa has just turned up. Oh, we're going straight to it. Yes. Always has been, always will be Medusa. Heathen looks like he's just shat himself. She's brought, this is the infamous moment, she has brought the WWF Championship belt and she's got a bin that just happens to be there and we know what happens next. I would imagine that she brought the bin with her. It does seem prepared by her rather than being ridiculous. Can I just point something out that's amazing? As I've said before, I I have, apart, apart from that... Um, I've got I have subtitles on here just so just in case I can't catch everything that's being said when we're talking and everything. And she said she was the WWF Women's Championship champion, and they obviously they 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 um they dip the sound out they censor the the F, and on on the subtitles they also do it so it just says I am the WW and then there's a blank Women's Champion. Oh, I really wish I'd have done bleep, like the le- yeah. letter lettered out bleep on the subtitles. Um, Bischoff has taken the belt out of the bin like some kind of tramp. <laughs> He's put it back in. It's like yeah, when you see a tramp going through someone's discarded KFC. That's basically what Bischoff's just done. Now we have William the Refrigerator Perry, WrestleMania two veteran. Yep. So um, basically, our um, our screenshot for this show has got to be Medusa chucking the belt in the bin, surely. I mean, is there ever going to be in the history or the future history of because those W would there ever be an opportunity to put Medusa on the front again? No. That and that really was a moment. That is a shots fired moment, isn't it? I mean, that was a holy shit kind of moment. Oh, yeah. Even people who've never watched a single episode of Raw or Nitro from the Monday Night Wars era would be well aware of that moment. I'll tell you one thing. I've yeah. watched my fair share of the both of these shows. Not always every week religiously at the time. But one thing I, I only just learned now from watching this, I did not realise it happened right at the start of the show. I did not no, know No, I'd that. forgotten that. I assumed it happened like between matches. We're about to get Ric Flair versus Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, we're getting Mr. Nitro, Eddie Guerrero. Against Mr. WCW. Yeah. And we are we are recording this one day after the 14th anniversary of the party of Eddie Guerrero. And we both had some weird coincidences because um, 
I I was uh, when I was at work. Someone asked me. I was we were we were doing like a, a, a uh, like a little quiz about ourselves at work, and someone said to me, well, "Who try and guess who my favourite wrestler of all time was?" And uh, so you have to think of you know the right answer and a false answer. So my false answer was Hulk Hogan, and I thought and I put down as my my answer as my favourite wrestler of all time. I said Eddie Guerrero. Um, I thought be a bit shady putting Chris Benoit so yeah Eddie Guerrero it was and um I didn't I, it completely slipped my mind that, that I'd done that on the day of the anniversary of his passing yeah as if he was watching over yeah it was a it was a little bit creepy for me uh th- those of you who've listened every every episode will be aware of the fact that in in my downtime I, I write a little fix fic as they call it uh, if WCW had been bought out by Fusion and was able to keep on turn the networks, uh, it basically involved me getting a little bit creative and also including some of the better stuff of TNA. Literally, like you, 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 you're writing it on the on the best timeline sort of thing. I have actually somehow carried this on to the point where I've got up to the road to Starcade 2005. I'm at November 2005, and it got to a point where I did address the, the, the demise of Eddie Guerrero, and I got to that point on the anniversary of his actual death. So, yeah, we, we both had those moments. But this, yeah. is, a, this is a great so, way to open the show. Oh, God, yeah. Flair v. Guerrero. And they've also said that apparently Flair will be facing the Giant next week on Nitro. So, depending on the result of the main event tonight, Savage v. Giant, we could have two world title matches on successive weeks. Yeah, I mean, they are loading up the the big marquee matches on Nitro. At the same time, we've got a very confusing lineup for Starcade, as we've mentioned on the last couple of watch-alongs. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's worth noting that that this is aired, this aired on December the 18th. Seven days from then is December the 25th, Christmas Day. And there is no Monday Night Raw airing. So therefore, and obviously it's not going to be live, but there will be a Monday Nitro. So basically, Raw, uh, Nitro will be unopposed as, a, as, as there is no Raw. So they are going to be uh, put, pulling out all the stops. There's uh-huh. a great little spot in that. That there where Flair uh, strutted and Guerrero drop kicked him in the back of the, the head and or the, in the back and Flair did the Flair flop. Yeah, and then uh, Guerrero mocked his strut. Did you see that as well? Yes. The, these two are working a very they're very compatible early on, and I do remember there is a there's a bit of a, a, a summary of their matches in WCW, whereas they, they did have some chemistry issues in the majority of the matches they had. I remember they pretty sure they had a pay-per-view match at one point that they, they just didn't click for it. But um, so far, they're, they're sticking to... This is basic, classic, flair formula with a little bit of, of Guerrero charisma here, and it's working a charm. Ooh. But yeah, I'm actually surprised that more wrestling companies haven't tried to put programming out on Christmas Day. Pre-taped stuff, obviously. But think about your your day on Christmas for most people. You are in front of the TV watching reruns. I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind a bit of first day of wrestling yeah. content. Tape a block yeah. in mid-December. Stick some up on Christmas. Do it every year. Yeah. Well, you, you say that, but I mean... Back in you know the 70s and 80s, I believe in like places like Atlanta, the you know the the heart of WCW country, they would have a big Christmas night wrestling show. It was a big deal. Not not so much in the UK. That I think the idea would be be preposterous because we we have no transport system and that. But but yeah, in 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 parts of America, Christmas Day was a big wrestling night, as well as Thanksgiving night. Yeah, I do find. I mean, for for me, it's I'd, you'd be lucky to see me leave the house on Christmas. I think in yes. re- in recent years, I've been dragged to the 
to the local boozer for a couple. I, I could easily knock beer on the head on Christmas. I'm just happy to stuff myself with Christmas food and fizzy pop. That has been my way since I was a child. And, and I drink, I drink occasionally. I have occasions where I do enjoy a few beers, but I actually enjoy just drinking fizzy pop at Christmas. But I get dry, and that's the only time I'll get fresh air at Christmas. Yeah, well, talking people who drink casually, Ric Flair's still in the ring here. No, no, I think you failed to comprehend the word casually. Casually, yeah. yeah. He's the destruction derby of drinking. <laughs> Rumour has and it the last man standing stipulation match was based on Flair's drinking style. And um, I do have to mention once more that in the front row of of uh, our audience here we have another and i am going to describe him as a hulk hogan full kit wanker and i say that because one of our listeners tweeted this week that they're listening to us whilst walking through a park heard me say that and laughed out so loud that they scared a squirrel holy crap um hulk's got it in his contract hasn't he that he has to have a yeah. fan dressed in full paraphernalia every show when Bucci is not on the screen, as you say. So Guerrero has now landed. He's been knocked off the top rope by Flair. He landed on the floor on his feet, but he's tweaked his knee. And, you know, it's not that spectacular a bump as such, but it is very believable. And what I like is Guerrero is, is selling enough for Flair to enable Flair to do his... Uh... His underrated mean streak on a heat segment, which uh, mm. I always enjoyed watching growing up, because you you want to be able, even when the hill begs off and plays the cow, you want to know that when things go their way that they can take care of business. And obviously, he had a period in his career where he just ended up completely inefficient because he never got to have that much time on offense against Hogan or a or a Sting. Yeah. Now, Flair's got the figure four on, and he's holding on to the top rope for added leverage. But Guerrero is not giving up. And you see, this this is the weird thing about the figure four leg lock. It's Ric Flair's signature move. But how many matches did you ever see him win with the figure four leg lock? Mostly just... Uh... Like, he'd, he'd beat a few jobber to the stars on the TV, bro. Remember, the, the one that always said to me, because it was the first time I'd ever seen a pinfall from a submission hold, uh, he beat Shawn Michaels just before... Uh, and he's just did. beaten Eddie Guerrero the same way. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was literally that. Uh, and it was Shawn Michaels on Superstars just before the Rockers split, I believe. Hmm. And uh, Arn Anderson's come out to the ring. The horsemen reunited, of course. But yeah, Guerrero, they're saying, passed out from the pain. But he, and he, he pinned he, him. Yeah, he used um, flagrant trips to the ropes to hold on for... Ex yeah. I never understood this, but apparently it's extra leverage, uh, which they're saying is what led to Guerrero being in too much pain. And he showed us... But what I like is... Uh... The curse of the commentator. I say, how many times did you see Ric Flair win with a figure four? And you said about the fact that sometimes you'd see people get pinned and the, the those two of those Flair, things happen as we're talking. Flair is putting the boots to Guerrero while me and Jim's trying to do an interview. <laughs> so you've got Arn cutting his, uh, his proper promo and Flair's just adding boots. Just stomping, yeah. So we've got a recap of the angle with Paul Orndorff last uh, last week and and uh, Anderson justifying what they did. Yeah. Said he respects him and his career, but he attacked the horseman, so he had to pay. I like this. You don't put personal achievement ahead of the success of the group, and if you jump one of us, you jump all of us. Oh, here comes Jimmy Hart and the Taskmaster. It's going to be rival heel factions here. Yep. This, uh, this does... Mean Gene just 
sorry, Mean Gene just said there's our television cameras, Rick, and basically told Flair to not turn his back to the hard cam. Which is ridiculous because he is trying to look at the man talking to him. Yes. But Mean Gene would have had that in his ear to help Flair to get, get camera side. I believe this is the start of the Sullivan-Pillman stuff because Pillman's also been mouthing off about a dungeon of doom. So two hill factions yes. who don't like each other. Yes, so basically Kevin Sullivan's saying that they need to keep an eye on Brian Pillman. Oh, and Arn has a problem. <laughs> so you come looking for Pillman and you might find Flair and Anderson. This is because this is getting into my dad's tougher than your dad territory. <laughs> I mean, they, they've built some intriguing TV. With, I mean, anyone who's been watching and enjoying the NWA Power hours so far, um, mm. yeah, they, they, there's it's good to have multi-layered things going on. It keeps you intrigued week after week, but also got to keep a bit of clarity for the pay-per-views and Starcade, their their annual showpiece doesn't really have that sort of clarity it's a bit confusing it's a bit we'll probably get into it where we can but we are planning on doing that pay-per-view episode so we'll really go into how muddled that pay-per-view is when we get to that yeah then. yeah that world cup wcw versus new japan several wrestlers on triple duty for no reason yes no reason and of course, talking of New Japan, you and I are going to be uh, in London at um, Belushi's and uh, London Bridge, I believe, isn't it? For the uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14 viewing parties. Two days, the 4th and 5th of January. The dugout, I can't wait. That's the, 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 little, yeah. the little cove, the downstairs bar in the basement of Belushi's London Bridge. Seek it out. It's going to be awesome. We, we were there last year. We did a Q&A afterwards. It's a great morning thing. It for this two-day New Japan first ever two-day Wrestle Kingdom falls on a Saturday and a Sunday, so get down for a you want an excuse to drink in the morning. Come down for a wrestling weekender. Breakfast it's classier weekender. than yeah, it's classier than Weatherspoons is what we're saying. Marginally, but yes. Yeah. So, oh, we've now got Craig Sergeant Craig Pittman. What's he doing? He's going to bin raid. He needs to hold the mic to his mouth. He's forgotten yeah, to hold the microphone. Bischoff actually has to he's hold talking, it He's talking... Yes. He's talking... He's talking to Bobby Heenan. He wants Bobby Heenan to be his manager. And Heenan says he doesn't manage anymore. He's recommending Jimmy Hart. Someone who can handle your finances. I love the way Heenan, even when supposedly being sincere, sounds, well, dare I say it, weaselly. I, I like the whole talk of uh, a manager handling finances and logistics for a wrestler. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a little oh, detail yeah, that can be worked into storylines. So... So Craig Pittman, the, the Pitbull Pittman, is looking for a manager. Did that go anywhere? Did he get a manager? I don't recall him getting a, any sort of a push. I but... didn't know this thing existed, but I think that might have been killed off by his wooden promo skills there. The only thing I liked about that was when he was asked, you, you want me to manage you? He said, that's affirmative. So I like the in-characterness of it, but but no, he, could, he couldn't yeah. talk for shit. Which is why he needed a manager. So, you know, at least he was on the, the right lines there. Here comes your mate Luger with Jimmy Hart. Fancy a bit of slammer, Dino. <laughs> Love this fame. It's time for the weekly Lex Luger squash. Yeah, he's getting... Last week it was Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. This week it's Marcus Alexander Bagwell, pre-buff. Yeah, he's getting as much ring time as Guerrero on these nitros at the moment. Um, and the fact that he's fighting Ooh. Bagwell, this is going to be the first of four billion nitro and pay-per-view matches between Luger and Bagwell. We're here at the at the very beginning of an extremely boring, recurring matchup. 
don't think they ever had one this, match that was exciting. This is Bagwell in sort of American Males era, isn't it? This is uh, Babyface. And... Yes, he's he's still got another year of it because I believe it's literally a year on from now when the NWO opened up the floodgates and allowed anyone to join them, which, as I think I've discussed before, would have been a great part of the storyline. You know, let all the jobbers join them. They're, they're winning the invasion. They're taking over. They've got Bischoff. They're winning the titles. Let all the schmucks join them. And then it just makes it look even cooler when Babyface, Horseman, Sting, Goldberg, DDP go up against them. That's how Sting and Page were so over in the first place in 97. Mm. You, have, you, you have WCW invade the NWO and, and do a role reversal. But Bischoff couldn't really finish a story the way he could start it, could he? No. Well, Bagwell's getting a bit of offence on Luger here, and he mocks Luger's pose, but... <laughs> Luger's selling was always so fucking wooden. Yes. But I've got to say, Jimmy Hart is a, is a natural fit as his manager. Having him squawking at ringside the whole way, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a natural fit. It's a good pairing. Hmm. Luger needs a manager as well. Someone someone to make his, his yes. posing and preening look like character rather than just, why the fuck aren't you doing something? Well, I think when, when Luger was with um, Harley Race back in 91, 92 time, that was a great pairing. Yes. I... There was that, you know, Harley Race had that authority and that there was that air of, of passing the torch from one champion... To, to another when he had the bell. Yeah, and I don't think all wrestlers... Short-lived. I don't think all wrestlers benefit from having a manager as a mouthpiece. I mean, don't get me wrong, Luger is one of those who needs a mouthpiece. But that's not the only benefit of a manager for an act. I've, I think to have just someone to play off of can be just as important. And that's what I like about their act. And obviously the fact that Hart should do all the talking, as we saw last week. Yes. Scotty Riggs has come to ringside now to even up the odds. Bagwell on the offense with a series of clotheslines. He knows how to work. And a flying four. It's it's no surprise that even though he he was never amazing as Marcus Alexander Bagwell, but he always stood out above the other meatheads that you think of some of the absolute waste of space that WCW had in the early 90s. He stood out above those, and obviously when he did turn heel, we had a lot of charisma. And you can see why. He know he knows the crowd is there, even if he's not a brilliant worker. Yeah, and we got the torture out, and this one's over. This That followed the Randy Savage formula of take a load of offense and then suddenly get your finishing move out of pretty much nowhere and win the match. Well, that was about two or three minutes, wasn't it? A bit more energy from Luger in that one as well. We were saying that even in the short formula last couple of times, he's looked a bit shit, which is funny because when he worked the long match against Savage, that was decent. Yeah. Not amazing, but decent enough. And uh, Mean Gene who is kind of dressed a bit like a, a maths professor today, is at the ramp and is now talking with Mean Gene. Sorry, he's talking with Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger. Hart obviously manages the Giant as well. He's been all over the show so far, and that's not going to stop. So Jimmy Hart has just said that Lex Luger is the uncrowned champion of the world, but as you just said, he also manages the Giant. So there's going to be a bit of a conflict of interest here. This one, I think, is going to bubble to a bit of a head. Yeah. Good good TV week-on-week storytelling. I like it. Proper burning the candle at both ends from Jimmy Hart. Yep. Yeah, it's it's worth remembering that Luger will be in the mix at Starcade, depending on the result of that. He's saying if it wasn't for... Sorry. He's saying, depend that it wouldn't. He would be the world champion if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan. So again, 
when Pucci ain't in the room. Sting versus Earl Robert Eaton, as he's now been rebranded. Former f- Bobby Eaton, now saying. One of my favourite parts of the dying days of um, Surfer Sting was Sting versus. Excuse me. Ah. Oh. Why, why do I sneeze on these ones that we don't really want to edit? I don't know. But yeah, one of these highlights was ah. always Surfer Sting versus Random Midcarder. He did a lot of that. Yes. Hey, on Saturday night, Craig Pittman, who's looking for a manager, takes on the Cobra. And yep, I bet you're thinking the same as me. Who the fuck was the Cobra? Well, I was also thinking to remind our viewers that that is happening on WCW Saturday night, not this Saturday night. Although that would be one hell of a Saturday night. Can you get that going on at Peacehaven, maybe? Yeah. Get the mysterious... The uh, travel expenses. Yeah, travel expenses might be a bit. Totally worth it. So this is Earl Robert Eaton with Jeeves. I've no idea who Jeeves is, although from my bit of research, he was also apparently the same person that was inside the costume of Wildcat Willie. Well, that's very important. Yeah. He's another underrated. What the heck kind of name is Jeeves? Who? Eaton. Yeah, well, this is the you know Lord Stephen Regal's theme, and it branches on that. This is a good tune. I like this. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, Jeeves obviously is British. I'm, I'm sure they don't have them sipping tea on their way to the ring. We're getting that depraved with the stereotypes. But hey, at least they've named him Jeeves as opposed to when um, Lord Stephen Regal had. Bill Dundee as Sir William, because obviously in Britain, the upper class would would be getting their uh, butler's knighthoods. Yes. Um, and also, I don't know if you saw that thing on social media that was quite funny about um, a, a, there, was a, there was a report going around a picture of when Rusev made his WrestleMania interest in a tank and about how yes. apparently he attempted to have sex with Lana inside that tank and he replied to the to the tweet about the article and said what do you mean tried uh and seeing that and had a good laugh at it <laughs> when I saw that it also unfortunately reminded me of the fact that yes at that period when he wrestled John Cena they had to pretend that he was actually Russian because apparently mm. that's the only way someone can get heel heat yes not to dare say Vincent Mann's out of touch by any means no sir no but don't forget, if the tank's rocking, don't come knocking. Or you might get a mortar to the head. Yeah. Not like that. Well, this should be... <laughs> this should be an absolutely fine TV match. We've got two great pros. I think Bobby Eaton's one of the most underrated pros going. Oh, yeah. There's a reason well, why... They should... There's a reason why they've given him this shameless <laughs> repackaging because they know he's much more reliable to get the thing done than any random Brit they could have brought over. That's what it comes down to a lot. Some of these ridiculous repackages and, and outright lies they make with people's characters, it's it's economics, isn't it? Mm. That's why Jack Victory played about a dozen different masked wrestlers. Yes, he was and like, Brad Armstrong. He, yeah, they were like two of the best wrestlers in masks. They could clearly handle the breathing. They didn't mind just being a journeyman. So, so you know, if wrestling had journeymen, that would be them. Get, yeah, but yeah, get rid of the in masks. Brad Armstrong, in my book, was one of the best wrestlers going. He was, he was fantastically adaptable and could, you know, could have a great match with the proverbial broomstick. I loved watching Brad Armstrong matches. He just needed that marketability, really. Because I remember, yeah. I, 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 when I was younger, I never saw a Brad Armstrong match that I thought was shit, don't get me wrong, but I certainly don't have any persevering memories as a kid. And then as I got a little bit older and I started looking for certain things and, and other aspects of it intrigued me, uh, yeah, you see that a little bit more, but... Yeah, he need, he needed that hook with a casual audience. There's probably better Ooh. hooks than masks, so, but... 
Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's like you say that if you're wanting someone to be a tag team partner for, for Regal and yeah, you could bring in say a, a Dave Taylor or someone like that, you know, which they eventually did. But if you want a Brit to come over, you've got to, you got, there's a hell of a lot of paperwork to fill in. And I know that from when Paul Birchall went over to the WWF and the amount of the amount of time and the amount of paperwork that they had to get a visa for him. You got the cost of that. Then, you know, someone's got to move to another country. It's, it's a risk whether they'll, they'll take to it or not. It is, it is a huge amount of cost and a huge amount of risk. And then, yeah, as you say, it's a lot, it's a lot cheaper just to repackage one of your existing wrestlers. And it's a lot more reliable because, you know, you could give Bobby Eaton whatever gimmick you want and you know, he'll run with it and make it work. Yeah, and I know firsthand, I did some preliminary research into it. At one point with my, my wife, who spent nine years at Google uh, and since moved on to other companies in successful positions. But when she was at Google, they were like trying to get her into the idea of moving out there. So I decided to look into uh, the possibility or you know, what sort of jobs could I get. I looked at maybe freelancing. I looked at some MLS clubs did some applications and that, but um, yeah, it's it's really not that easy, even with, and it was made well, easier by the fact that I would have been, I would have had spousal privileges, but it still wouldn't have been yeah. that easy. And it never happened anyway. And to go back to the action in the ring, Sting hit a Sting, a splash, Bobby Eaton fell very conveniently for him for the Scorpion Deathlock and Sting has won. That wasn't as savage. Yeah, that wasn't savage formula. That was as competitive as Sting Malenko, mm. but it was um, the routine finish. Whereas he gave, he gave Malenko a lot of respect with that match finish. We, we remember that very well. That's how I measure these sort of matches now on the on the Sting Malenko scale, and I'd say that gets a solid point seven. And I love the way Eaton just falls, and he falls in the position so that if he's turned around. 90 degrees exactly, which is 180 degrees exactly, which eventually he isn't. He is absolutely facing, Sting will be facing the hard cam. That's the definition of a wrestler's wrestler, isn't it? Yeah. He doesn't do anything to offend the audience, but he does so much for the guys producing and wrestling with him. And that's why he's so revered. And yeah, he had some tag team bangers for us to watch as well. Some weird Christmas preludes in Mean Gene's interview. Well, <laughs> now we're on to Starcade. So it's Sting, Flair, and Luger in a triangle match. Yeah. They'll also be wrestling in World Cup matches, and obviously, whoever wins yep. the triangle match <laughs> will be wrestling in the main event. Jesus Christ. It's worse than doing the holiday camps. I think there's there's only one member of that triangle match who doesn't have a World Cup match. And he would have to win the triangle match for someone to not be put in triple duty, which may give away the outcome. It's just... <laughs> just so, just stick more Nitro mid-card. You know, stick JL in there with a junior heavyweight. It's the undercard for a reason. It's weird how they set it up that way. But we'll we'll save most of that for... Because it's happening. We're going to do it. We're locked on. He wants a sixth world title. Mean, mean Gene still talking about that eggnog. He just He's just really hankering for it, isn't he? He, he just wants eggnog, basically. So what? This hasn't been an amazing show, but we are already up to the main event. It's and we say the ones that fly by are probably automatic passes, and this one's certainly qualifying for that now. Let's see how it finishes. We've still got 20 minutes on the clock. It's, yeah, it's flown by so far, certainly. This is why I like to bring up the references to, to NWA Power, which I feel like has had that breezy nature about early on. And to be honest, you know, we're, we're taping this uh, Wednesday night. 
uh, Thursday night, sorry, and, and on Wednesday night, we had the seventh edition of AEW Dynamite. If you read my reviews, I've, I've reviewed every week so far at theindycorner.com. Check those out. Uh, one thing I'll say is it's all been good quality stuff from AEW on TV so far, but I find they've been a little bit drawn out with some of their matches, a little bit repetitive and samey. I'll go into detail on the website about my problems. This last episode, the one immediately after Full Gear, probably the best one yet in my book and one of the reasons why is there's a lot more about that runs at a tight yo things that shouldn't last long don't last long just cuts Mm -hmm. a much better pace more of the roster is showcased on this episode if you counted the number of people who had something significant to do it's higher than the last six episodes and that's important you want you want great matches don't get me wrong you want significant moments from time to time but you you also need fun promos and crisp wrestling action you can't be yeah. a good five minute match and and you know what where we've got these nitros currently on the one hour mark we've got a reasonably tight roster you know we've got our headliners we've got our mid carders and a small number of it's not an ever a forever interchangeable load of jobbers or anything like that. We've got you know a reasonably tight number of people, and it's everyone's getting a good amount of exposure and it's working well. Mm. I'll say this about Macho Man's outfit: it is gaudy, it is loud, it is multicolored, it is ridiculous, but for some reason he's pulling it off on this occasion. This looks, I think, between having the belt as well, which is always good looks, it's the best looking belt in the history of wrestling. No arguments, mm-hmm. I won't hear any, the big gold belt. Between that, he's topped up his tan, he's got a, you know, it's, it's not quite the carbuncle outfit. It's, it's gaudy, no, this... but there's the something about his look, yeah. that it, 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 he looks like the Macho Man should. The jacket and the hat look like the backdrop of the opening credits of Saved by the Bell. It's very, very 90s. Yes. But again, it worked. This is one of the rare times I'm saying it's 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 loud and gaudy, not in a it's horrible way, but in a all right. That that's what Macho Man's going for, and he's pulling it off way. Love the orange tassels as well. He's got multicolored yellow sunglasses, orange tassels. I think he got dressed in the dark. So here we go. Main event time. It's the Giant against Randy Savage for the world title. Savage's left arm is all wrapped, well, it's wrapped up from the from the forearm to midway up the, the upper arm, so past the elbow. And that's wrapped up. So And by all right, is that Savage, gonna be a target? Savage should have a field day here because as much as he loves selling a lot for someone and dropping the elbow. If he's working a proper match, he does love working against the big men. Mm. He can bump for them. He can sell for them. He does all the old tricks like trying to lift them up and doing his back in. He, he just so he, he could work against huge guys all day, couldn't he? And all, you know, all he needs to do is somehow knock the big guy off his feet and get it and then go up top for the elbow. That's yeah. And, and yeah, this is the thing as well. And if, the, if we've got savvy commentators, they'll mention this, that it's not like, you know, it's not like he's got a finishing move. where you have to lift your opponent up. He's got a finishing move that as long as your opponent is down, he can do, he can do that move. And it doesn't matter how your opponent goes down. Mm, and his key subs for that move, the high knee, the double axe handles, the, the, the running strikes, the dodges, and the, he's set up to just try and knock him down. But, of course, he starts the match by going for sleepers and body slams, and he's getting his ass kicked. Yes. Jimmy Hart's just taken a bump after getting the giant knocked into him by Savage. But then, just as you mentioned previously, Liam, Savage has gone for a body slam on the giant. He's failed, and, and that's turned the tide in favour of the giant. He's the macho moron. But that's the story you always get. I was just alluding to how much fun he has working as he's like, this is all part of the the David Goliath formula, isn't it? Apparently you have to go for that move and put yourself in trouble. Just like you have yep. to powerbomb Kidman, apparently. 
and you have to go for a cover for a pinfall when you already know that the referee is down. Yes, you must. Because how else will people know that you could have won it? Mm. It's almost like those people in life you meet who are already setting up excuses before they've officially completed their failure. They know they're going to lose, so they just want some sort of argument because it's easier than trying to win. It's all VAR's fault. Yeah, we're not going to get into a VAR so debate to... here, are we? <laughs> not here. God, no. So, giant slamming, Savage. It's been all giant. The challenger is on top. The champion is in trouble. And, you know, could the belt be going to the giant? And if it does... If it does, it then means that we're going to have Giant against Flair for the world title on Christmas night. Yeah, there's a lot of twists in the road to Starcade, which is great for the TV broadcast. But again, it's I might have to look up the pay-per-view buys for Starcade because they've not done a great deal to really make you think, oh, I must order Starcade. Hmm. Great clothesline. Actually, Savage is throwing lariats. You'd expect him to throw, um, you know, U- US 80s wrestling clotheslines where his arm doesn't move. But he was lariating the, the chest of the giant, presumably because he knew he could do it without hurting him. Because <laughs> his chest yeah. is the size of 10 macho man arms. And Savage went for, uh, sorry, Giant went for a cover. Savage got his foot on the ropes. The ref breaks the hold, but then uh, Sullivan knocks knocks his um, his leg off again. So, yeah, the timeline here, as I said, next week we've got Christmas Day Nitro, and that is followed by December the 27th. Two days later, we've got Starcade 95, the live, last live pay-per-view of the year. Yes. And the more you bring it up, the more I really want TV wrestling companies to start doing Christmas Day shows. <laughs> We should have had more of it. I love a bit. We should... God. I do remember a couple of years ago when uh, I, I spent Christmas Day at my folks. And the day, I think it was Christmas Day was a Sunday and Impact Wrestling was on because Impact Wrestling aired on a Sunday. And we did have Christmas Day Wrestling. Yeah. Because sometimes now, it's a coincidence. Giant, yeah. Giant went for the top, went for a splash off the top. He missed. He's down. Savage has hit the elbow. Got it. The giant kicks out, and Savage, <laughs> Savage makes the biggest, biggest jump off of a of a, a kick out I've ever seen in my life. But there we go. We said we just needed Giant to go down, and he went drop down for missing a splash, <laughs> and he hit a massive drop kick as well. This is, this is. David versus Goliath formula dialed up to 11. Take the yeah. tried and tested formula, add extra bumps, extra athleticism. The you know they they're working harder than you. Well, the yeah, your typical the traditional babyface hope spot was basically hitting his finishing move and trying to get the pin to end the match. Although I've got to say, and then failing, and then go straight back to the heel on offense. There was a bigger kick out of the flying elbow. Do you not remember the finish to Royal Rumble 93 with Yokozuna? Where that was the elimination. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. That was a big one. He's uh, uncovered the, the concrete outside the giant. Oh, that was clever. He, yeah. he went for a vertical suplex onto the exposed concrete. A macho man has managed to spy the man the ring ropes, because obviously they're right by the ring ropes, and the giant has gone down by himself, which is obviously not a huge bump, but still, you're not going to want to land on the concrete like that. But it's only no, pissed him off. He's... <laughs> yeah, and now we're back in the ring. We've got a big choke slam. 
something's happening. The crowds are looking at something. Big leg drop from the giant. Is someone coming? Yep. We just hit a leg drop. Oh, so here comes Hogan. <laughs> here comes Hogan, yes. <laughs> Hogan has come out with a steel chair, and therefore the match ends in DQ. I, I don't remember. And Savage retakes. I don't remember Hogan's heel turn happening like this or this early. Wait, and what, baby do you face, mean? what do you mean it's not his heel turn? Babyface Hogan just hit the referee in the head with a chair. This is ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, that match was good and it's got me a bit pumped. And then to see the ludicrousness of Hulk Hogan doing that. Oh, he just hit the fridge with a chair. And the fridge is not selling it, which is great. He doesn't know how to... Oh, my God. (laughs) It's a lovely sort of Christmas jumper he's wearing there as well. Hogan hit him with a chair. I don't know if he was supposed to hit him with a chair, but the fridge just totally no-sold it. He kind of got his hands up, but still... Hogan's just a terrible actor, isn't he? Yes. And yeah, his midlife crisis around this time we've brought up many times. But um, but the crowds are going mental. They're chanting Hogan, Hogan, Hogan. And there are also a lot of things that, I mean, you think of modern day wrestling, you watch things happen that make you cringe. Best example, I suppose, is um, the whole Rusev-Lashley love triangle thing on Raw. But... You know, you look back at some of these really crappy things in retrospect, and you suppose you can have, you can take it a bit more lightly, and you can have a good laugh, and that's helping us here because we're we're enjoying the good, and we're able to laugh off the bad. But it's worth noting that for the majority of these early nitros, the good has outweighed the bad. Oh, definitely. Mean Gene's busy. Yeah, Mean Gene in the ring with Hogan and Savage. Hogan risks being suspended. Please suspend him. <laughs> so he's saying everyone's getting title matches except me. They're literally holding the giant back. Is that Pittman again? That is Pittman again. Hogan's now running and smacked him with a chair a couple of times. <laughs> very, very weak chair shots, I hasten to add. But he's basically just swatting people like flies in the head. (laughs) This is a bit like the crazy old man who's like accidentally had a double dose of Complan, isn't it? This is entertaining as all hell. I won't won't lie. I'm not sure if I'd have felt that way if it was actually happening. But in retrospect, I can look back at this and laugh my head off. I mean, the, I don't think this is what they, uh, how they intend it to be, but this is tremendously entertaining. I tell you what, if the Pittman thing did actually lead to anything, I liked a little subtle note there. He's actually come out in an entourage that involves Jimmy Hart after Bobby Heenan recommended Hart to be his manager. Ooh. You could have, you could have sunk your teeth into that if it actually led to anything. Uh, Hogan's wanting a title shot he's, against Savage. Apparently, his name's still on the belt, which is completely yeah. on Savage. And, and he says Savage owns him. Oh, sorry, Savage owes him a title shot. <laughs> Hulk Hogan went Looney Tunes, didn't he? He says he's got flair next week. Hogan wants him to beat flair. Then obviously there's Starcade. I'm guessing they're lining this up for after Starcade. So he's saying you can beat Ric Flair. He's got flair next week on Christmas night. He's a positive thinker. 
He's got to get past Starcade. And he's, does, he's Savage still doesn't know the name of any Japanese wrestlers or towns in the country. He doesn't have to know them. He just has to beat them. Yeah. He wants to be the champion apparently, of Jupiter, Saturn, and Venus. Yeah, because apparently he's got a title. He's got a match against Tensai, who I thought was uh, in the WWF yes. about twenty years later. But he has promised Hogan a title shot after Starcade. So if nothing else spoils what happens at Starcade. <laughs> Uh, all, all I want personally is some of the coke that these two did before coming out tonight because Savage was on it with a giant that was a great match and these two are just absolute stark raving fucking lunatics of the highest order and that is the highest praise they've been on the eggnog with Mean G oh man <laughs> I do believe <laughs> Watch watch this episode, people. It is not the greatest wrestling content you ever see. But it will entertain the pants off you for 52 minutes. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, we've had we've had a you know, Flair v. Hogan. We've had Medusa... Well, we've started off with Medusa lobbing the WWF women's belt in the bin. Mm. And now we've got two middle-aged men arguing over a chair. Savage is off his tits. You're <laughs> quite right. Savage says he's going to make the Giant and Kevin Sullivan sign the chair that Hogan smashed over their heads and sell it for a fortune. <laughs> oh, my God. Norm- normally, these two rambling incoherently can get on our tits. Except for when they're hanging out with their hobo friend a few weeks ago. Their hobo that- friend, yes. I like that one. But that was just fantastic absolutely depraved stuff (laughs) that that was amazing they were just both away with the fucking fairies hogan and savage at their most gloriously depraved oh my god that's right up there with jim neidhart promo before one of the survivor series oh man and uh right the fridge no selling a chair shot and the fridge show saying, there's so much. There is so much to this episode of Nitro. It is multi-layered, multi-faceted. Watch this. Ep- yeah, just watch this episode of Nitro. It's fantastic. For completely oh my God. different reasons to most other high recommendations. This gets And high not for the reasons, yes. And not for the reasons WCW would want you to watch it for no. either. But watch it. Man, that's amazing. Are you okay with it? They are they are signing off. They've got about thirty seconds or so left. Um, thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs in the middle for that one, Liam. It has to be an emphatic thumbs up because you look at the criteria we use here, Dino. It is is this is this worth the rewatch? Is this entertaining? Is this worth watching on the network? We don't have time machines. We can't say, oh, was it was it the best show versus Raw? We're not doing a Monday Night War podcast. We're not doing a head to head. Is it worth running through these nitros and sticking with the 95 ones? So far, there were two consecutive ones. The exact which ones uh, escaped me for now, but I can look it up and, and remind people on Twitter. There were two that we didn't like. Everything else has been worth watching. One barely so. But everything else has been worth watching. And that one was just... It was it was so much fun. We didn't realise that the first 35 minutes had, had come and gone. And then we got to the main event, yeah. which, as we said, was was David versus Goliath on Coke. Now, what's interesting is that over on USA Network, we had a live Monday Night Raw, um, which had uh, a main event. Well, we, we had Jeff Jeff Jarrett against Fatu. Bob Holly lost to Buddy Landell, which is an odd result. And then we had the main event was for the Intercontinental title, Razor Ramon against Yokozuna, both of whom had done double duty by being in a six-man dark match before the show began. So poor Yoko, he's wrestled twice there. Um, so I think yeah, we said this was an overrun, and basically the overrun to keep people from switching channels was Hogan and Savage in the ring with Mean Gene. So you know your WWF fan would know be very familiar with all those people. So you know very clever in that respect of, of making sure that we um, that we don't have uh, 
have anyone sneaking out a look to the opposition. So as we said, next week there is no Monday Night Raw. Nitro is unopposed on Christmas night, um, and it is it was recorded in the same venue. I would imagine even even with WCW logic that they would have recorded this after the first episode, unlike how they've done it previously. Um, and we do indeed have our main event of uh, Randy Savage and Ric Flair for the world title. We've also got, just to let you know, we've also got another Lex Luger singles match, and we've got Dean Malenko against Mr. JL, which would be quite a good match, I reckon. Yes, that's, a, that's one of the pairings of the guys we like to see on the Nitro that we've not yet had. I think they've been against each other in a tag match, but that's it. Possibly, yeah. But uh, Possibly. But yeah, <laughs> bring it on. Right. Well, there we go. So that pretty much wraps it up for this episode. Thank you so much for downloading us. We really do genuinely appreciate each and every one of you who takes the time to download us. Please rate and review us on iTunes. If you enjoy us, enjoy this, please tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter at BecauseWCW or on Facebook.com forward slash BecauseWCW. We'll be back very shortly with the Christmas Day Nitro Watch Along. And I think... We, uh, we should have a mince pie, a carrot for Rudolph, and a glass of sherry for that one, Liam. I, I will arrange those things. The co-op already selling them, baby. I'm up for it if exactly. you are. You want some Christmas snacks? The co-op was selling that before fucking Halloween, but yes. Anyway, on behalf of Liam Hat, this is the Twisted Genius Dino saying thank you so much for listening. We'll be back very shortly with another Because WCW. I'll see you ringside.